It's a great pleasure to welcome Colin Erasmus to What's Next. No stranger to What's Next. And I've spoken to Colin many times over the years and watched his different roles at Microsoft. But firstly, Colin, how are you? And a big congratulations. You are Microsoft's uh, Chief Operating Officer for Microsoft South Africa. So congrats. How are you doing? Aki, uh, like always, it's a great pleasure to speak to you. And in fact, the other day, seeing you in person, I know we, we're getting back into that motion flow. Um, so fantastic to always speak to you and, and doing great. Thank you. And, and thank you very much for the, the kind words. No, it's a great pleasure, Colin. Well, listen, I mean, uh, talking business now, and I think the, the biggest challenge that organizations face today in, in 2020, 2021, 2022, where we are, and something that really COVID-19 has exposed, not to say that security was uh, in the background, but it's really just gone up like this. The, this the, the risk to businesses, when you look at the cyber threats that are being faced globally, we often hear of uh, hacks and ransomware and uh, businesses being hacked, data being stolen. When you look at this backdrop, it's really the biggest risk globally that businesses face. And how should businesses improve their security posture? What what can they actually do to 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 prevent getting hacked? Aki, look, it's a great question. How long's a piece of string? I suppose you and I can have this discussion exactly. the whole day. And you're right. I mean, we live in a very, very different world to what we did two or three years ago. And, and I think it, it has opened some opportunities for bad actors to take advantage. Look, the first thing I'll say without getting into the deep technicalities, we might get there a bit later, is to really think about your security approach and potentially change your security approach for this modern world, right? Um, you know, we talk about things like the principles of zero trust. And I think that's really where it does start. And I think that's the lens that I would encourage a lot of our customers to take a, a, a look through. Um, you know, th there are three major portions within Zero Trust, and some people call it something else. But, you know, it starts with identity. You know, that's, that's where it's always started for us. You know, making sure that you're verifying explicitly who, who the person is or who the resource is for that matter. Um, use least privilege. So I always say give people access to what they want when they need it. Um, that's that's the sort of the concept of using least privilege. And then the last one is to unfortunately always assume that you're working within a breached environment or within a breached environment. Um, and that really is sort of the new way of thinking. So that's what I would encourage people to do is to think a little bit differently about their security strategy and how they go about it. You know, it's such a good point you talk about because often when you ask organizations and you have these kind of discussions, that mind shift that you've just spoken about hasn't taken place. You know, it's, it's business as usual as you were doing it five years ago, and you cannot do it like this anymore. You've got to have a completely different security posture. Um, and, and of course, uh, I guess that COVID-19 has created uh, a few of those gaps as well. When you look at the organizations that are out there, now many have gone back to work and many are, uh, you know, in a hybrid situation still, that hybrid workforce that we saw during COVID-19. What can organizations do to secure that hybrid workforce? And we know in the end point, the vulnerability that lies there. And, and of course, some of the tools and services that, that Microsoft offers in this particular regard. Yeah, Aki, I want to go back just a second because I think you touched on a very interesting point. You know, if we look at the transformation that has happened over, over the years in IT or in business, you know, we spoke, what, five, six, seven years ago, maybe we'll show Asia, about digital transformation and, and what really happened 
there and we really saw a lot of that speed up under COVID, right? So in, in fact, our CEO said that we'd seen two years worth of digital transformation in two months. We, we, and the cloud transformation really helped us do a lot of that. But I actually believe, Aki, that we're actually in a era of security transformation now. If you really think about where we, where, where we are and, and what we can do to protect ourselves, I really do believe that we're in a bit of a, a era of security uh, transformation. And I think as per the discussion that we, that we had is we need to think about those tool sets differently. We need to think about how we automate a lot of what we potentially would have done, right, because of the threat vectors and the attacks that are coming in. We just, humans just can't sit behind a screen and manage that anymore. So that, that's what we, what we talk about. We talk about hybrid specifically. I think there's a lot of work to do around culture from a security standpoint. Um, you know, I think that's really where it starts is that everybody has a role to play, right? Um, you know, I often speak about people, process, technology. You can have the best technology in the world if you have people that aren't understanding it, giving their passwords away, succumbing to the, the phishing attacks. You know, you, 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 it becomes the weakest link. So really security culture, security training mindset is a, is a massive part of that. When you talk about next generation protection, what does that entail? And, and, and what I guess I'm asking is how, how can businesses move from the traditional that we've been talking about to the next generation protection? I, I, I'd, like to, I'd like people to think about this in four major pillars, potentially. So the first one we spoke a bit about it is identity. Identity and access management, okay, that's where it starts. Identity, identity, identity. If we look at the world of cloud, what really brings it all together at the end of the day is that single identity and how we manage that. So that's the first one I would like people to think about and consider. The next one for us is threat protection. Now, there we talk about modern threat protections, right? So how do we stop stop attacks with an integrated automated security platform? So a lot of the vendors doing a lot of great work in the background, you know, doing things like seem as an example uh, pr products where we are are looking and we're investigating you know from a fr from a large investment standpoint so that threat protection is very important and i think integrated and automated are the two words i want us to take away here because you've got to automate that today the next one is information protection aki and you and i've often spoken about this regulations uh, a lot of regulations in the in in the world today uh, a lot of regulations in specific industries for PIA as an example Remember that, you know, we can protect our endpoints, but if we don't protect our data at the end of the day or information, you know, that can leave the endpoint. So it's important to think about how we protect our, our information and understand what information we have, by the way. Um, and then the last one is cloud security. Most organizations today are multi-cloud. So how do we think about protecting ourselves in a cloud world? Um, a lot of people have moved to the cloud to be more safe. Um, and I think that definitely is something, but we still need to think about how we protect our assets that sit in cloud and multi-cloud, not just single clouds. Yeah. Now, it's so interesting you talk about the cloud and the, the, the misconception, right? And I talk to small, medium-sized businesses, and they think that, you know, if you move to the cloud, you don't have to worry about security, which is not the case. Security is your responsibility. Uh, the, the cloud is just a tool that you're using to, you know, add more automation or whatever you're doing to your particular business. But the cloud doesn't mean that you are more secure. It's you that need to secure. And, and, and you've touched on zero principle. This is uh, the zero trust principle. It's the biggest buzzword that is used when you talk about cybersecurity. Uh, Colin Erasmus, what is the zero trust principle? What, how do you analyze it? What is it? And, and how does it benefit businesses? 
Yeah, so I, I, I actually believe that a good security strategy actually gives many businesses a competitive edge, by the way. So if you think about yourself as a consumer, uh, um, you know, knowing that organizations that I, tr that I transact with are secure and that I trust them really, I think does give you a competitive edge nowadays in, in the market. Um, but yeah, let, let's just talk about zero trust just for, for, for one second. I think we spoke about the three major principles and we'll maybe go into them in a, in a little bit more, more detail. Um, you know, the verify explicit column, and, and, and like we said, okay, uh, many people call this different things, but I think most people know this now under zero trust. But what we have found is that we need to make sure that from an identity point of view, we understand who's coming into our systems. Now, linked to that, Aki, okay, something called conditional access as an example. So if, let me give you an example. So if Colin Erasmus logs on today from Johannesburg or eight, eight o'clock in the morning, and then at nine o'clock it appears I'm logging on from Hong Kong per se, I know that there's something potentially incorrect. So now what I want to do is I want to explicitly verify that it is Colin logging on or it's the resource logging on. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to stop the logon process and I'm going to verify with a couple more actions. Now that could be MFA, so it could be with, hang on, something that Colin knows, so it could be another password, a PIN or whatever it may be. Um, it may be something I have, so that may be an OTP that is sent to my phone, but that's what we mean by verifying explicitly, so making sure that the identities are intact. So that's the one column, or the one pillar if you want to call it that. Least privilege access, now that does talk about having access to the resources that you need at the time that you need it. You know, we come from an era, and you and I, once again, we might share our age, where you were maybe given admin privileges on your machine, and it's a lot easier to just give Aki admin privileges. He doesn't have to come and bug me every five minutes to load something onto the PC. Mm. I think that's really, really where we're thinking about this. Let's give people access to what they need at the right time. But what I must say to you as well, Aki, modern security doesn't prevent business. And I think that's the other thing to think about. This has to be streamlined into what we do on a daily basis. So when we're trying to give people access to what they need at the right time, that it doesn't become cumbersome and is actually negative towards the productivity. And then the last one, as you can imagine, is assuming breach. So we should always be working under the auspices of we are actually potentially in a breach situation and what would we do? What are the controls that we would put in place to make sure that we can um, react against that breach. So what does proact proactive feedback look like and the actions that we can take as individuals, so either at, a, at an IT level, even at a user level under a breach scenario. So that really is the major principles around zero trust and we're starting to see that people are really thinking about it and actually applying these principles in different ways. So interesting. I think you, you used this analogy, I don't know who it was, it's like asking your house you know if you, you look at your house who do you let into your house do you you know how do you vet the people that you let into your house look at it from that point of view you're not just going to let anybody into your house you need to know who they are what they do why they're there all those kind of things but the biggest challenge that uh, everyone talks about aside from the cyber security are the skills and there's a such a massive skills gap in the market at the moment and you know, skilling is an important component of a robust security posture. How, how do organizations go about skilling and training their people to keep pace with the new types of attacks? And of course, I also think I want to add to that is that the misconception about, you know, becoming a cybersecurity professional is that you've got to have a degree and you've got to have, you know, all of these different qualifications, which is 
not the case, but there is such a gap in skills in this particular market. Aki, spot on. You know, we spoke about this new era of transformation, security transformation. I think one of the massive things that we are seeing, and not just in this country, by the way, globally, is a really big shortage of cyber security skills in the market globally. And South Africa has is, is not been left out of that. So there are a couple of ways to think about this uh, potentially. So the one is we spoke about that security culture, and I think that's really where it does start. And by the way, we did a bit of research with IDC. It's almost a year ago now, but what came out almost tops as the number one thing that kept CISOs awake at night was exactly this, was the security culture and the skills that they needed to build. So I think there's culture skills and then there's deep technical skills. Now, the one thing we mustn't forget about is that a lot of these skills do exist in a fairly robust partner base that we have in the country. Yeah. And if I, look at, if I look at Microsoft as an example, we have some deep technical skills with our partners. We're seeing that a lot of organizations today are starting to outsource some of the security functions. So if you take something like a SIEM product, you know, have somebody else outsourcing that, looking 24 by 7 at what my security posture looks like across the state. Now, if you look at, for instance, some of the new stuff that DDNTT are doing, is this is what they're starting to offer a lot of our customers, is the ability to do manage detection and response on your behalf um, so that you don't necessarily want have to go and scale your workforce up if you don't want to do that. We do have the option to actually outsource those skills and those capabilities to a partner like DD Entity. And it's something that I would actually advise a lot of customers to look at, look at doing because there is quite a phenomenal skills base there. So, look, I think we can only go from strength to strength. Um, and I think we also need to think a little bit differently about skilling. So I was having, okay, I was having a discussion the other day with the schools. Um, and we, th we, we talk about employability, right? We're talking about giving people the right skills for employability, not just skilling individuals for the sake of skilling. We're starting to see that enter our school systems as well, which is fantastic to see. Oh, that's awesome to hear. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that um, when you look at that, uh, the stuff that NTT is doing is that, you know, let, let the professionals look after that and you can focus on your business because the, the layers of security do become very complex. How, how can organizations ensure that security acts as an enabler of digital transformation? And I know that's quite a mouthful, and I guess I'm going back to the point that I made earlier. It's you've got to think, you've got to think of business differently today and what's going to enable, what are the levers that you've got to press to get that digital transformation process going? Yeah, so I, I actually believe... We, to your point, we need to think differently about this, and we've been we've been talking about this cybersecurity becoming a, a boardroom discussion, right? Because if you think about it, we we spoke about it being a competitive edge, but we also speak about it from a brand perception point of view. If you think about a couple of the big incidents that have happened and the brand perception at the end of the day, so I really do think from a business point of view, we need to up level the discussions to make sure that we understand how. Um, how important cybersecurity is inside your organization and give those folks um, the support that they need, but also at a board level understand the, the potential reputation uh, or damages to your reputation if you do have these, uh, these sorts of things. So that's the one thing that I, that, I would, that I would say and I would encourage that we look at it a bit differently and we really up-level the discussion around cybersecurity. Um, you've seen it yourself. I mean, we can go and read the stats. 
we know that for a small business going through a cybersecurity in incident can be catastrophic, right? It can be the end of a business. You know, we've also seen that data breaches, as an example, costs millions, hundreds of millions in some instances mm. to actually recover um, that fr from, from that data. And in many instances, you, you don't recover. So it is a serious topic that we need to think about. We need to think about it in those three elements for me, people, process, and technology. Technology is a really big portion of it, but we can't forget about the process and the people element either. Yeah. And Colin, when you look at businesses um, and you talk about security becoming a priority, right? It, it's a business priority. It's not something that's going to be managed by IT. This is uh, managed on a board level. The, the CEO on that level has got to take charge of security. And my question is, how, how do businesses make security a top business priority going forward? And I know that most businesses are taking this seriously, but can they do even more to take it even more seriously? I mean, you just touched on now how, how damaging a breach can be. It can really make or break a business going forward. So businesses need to make security a top business priority. How do they do this? Okay, I think it's from understanding the environment. So go, I would say go and have a chat to your IT manager and understand what is going on on a, on a daily basis. You know, sometimes when we show CEOs or MDs things like security logs and what's going on inside their uh, their environment, they're, they're actually quite surprised um, at what the technology and those those humans are already doing for us to, to protect us. So go and understand. Go and understand what data you have inside your, your organization. Okay, something I always ask people to do, you know, when we talk about information protection and regulations and Papier, the first place to start is exactly that. What data do I have inside my organization and where is that data lying? So I think education for me is, is critically important to understand what that means. Go and have a chat to your risk people and understand from a risk point of view and a compliance point of view what it means. You know, How long do I need to retain data for as, as an example? Where does that get stored? And go and apply the right policies and technology to the right data. You know, I don't want to go and apply you know, encryption as an example to publicly available information potentially. But I do want to go and apply encryption to my intellectual property if I, if, you know, from a software house and I'm coding. So that understanding um, of what I have and the way I need to protect it, I think is where people need to start. It's, 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 it's critical. Fantastic conversation. Always great to chat to you, Colin, and uh, sharing incredible insights on a very, very important topic. Colin Erasmus, who's the Chief Operating Officer at Microsoft South Africa. Colin, it's always good to talk to you. Thank you for your time and sharing those insights. Thank you very much, Aki.